Welcome back to the Parbar Podcast. This is another episode on church history, and they've been coming out frequently because I did not decide to put them on the podcast until a few weeks after I've been teaching the class. So we're doing some catch-up. We've had seven lessons in church history. This is number four for the podcast. So be patient, and soon it will just be one a week. But we're getting there. This is a church history lecture number four. And we are discussing what the continue, continuation of the church in Rome in the West and a little bit of dabble in the church in the East in the Persian Empire. The church was surviving in the Roman Empire to the west of Jerusalem through, through all the persecution. And as we know, in 331 AD, when Constantine becomes the emperor, Christianity will overcome the Roman world. But while that's happening in the West, the church is also spreading and prospering in the East. Remember, in one of our previous episodes, there was King Abgar in Armenia, which is modern-day Turkey. He's the king in Edessa. He was healed when Thomas prayed for him, and he became a Christian. But Abgar's son was not a Christian, and he ordered the bishop of Edessa, Agai, to stop preaching and to go back to making robes, go back to your blue-collar job. Agai refused, of course. And this new king had him executed. This is just one brief story of the persecution that was taking place in the Eastern world, Eastern Empire as well. Now, I should say that martyrdom, and just just as Jesus' Jesus's death shattered an old world and made a new one possible, the martyrdom, martyrdom and the death of the church does the same thing. So you get a society together, and what they do is start, they attack the righteous, they go after the innocent, they start killing Christians because of their loyalty to Jesus. And when, when a society starts putting innocent people to death, the society cannot hold together. It starts to fracture. Uh, guilt, we, we could say in our language today, their psyche cracks. And this enables then a new society to form. And so when martyrdoms come into a country a nation, wherever, that that society will not last long. When wicked people continually put to death the innocent, they will eventually crumble. And that's true in the eastern realm of the world here with Persia. Same is true in the western world with Rome. And as same is true as what we see today. But anyway, out of Edessa, out of this town in Armenia, modern-day Turkey, came the first songbook of the church called the Odes and Songs of Solomon. Now there's uh, there's quite a few Gnostic things in there, but it was the first songbook of the church that we know of, aside from Psalms, of course. And at the same time, over in Rome, Emperor Trajan, he claimed Persia as his own empire. Wouldn't it just be fantastic to start claiming things like that? And when he died in 117 AD, Emperor Hadrian took the throne and he decided to leave Persia alone, which is a good move. And this allowed the church to grow rapidly over the next 50 years in the Persian Empire. And two men rose up in prominence. The first was a man named Tatian, born in 110 AD. When he became a Christian, he studied under Justin Martyr, who, whom we will learn about in a, in a future episode on church history. 
Justin Martyr was over in Rome, but he learned under, uh, Tatian learned under Justin Martyr. And when Justin Martyr was killed, uh, that's no spoiler alert, his, we call him Justin Martyr, <laughs> when he was killed, Tatian came back to Edessa. He put together the four Gospels into one account, and this book is called the Diatessaron, and it was written in Syriac. Tatian also established a community of Christians uh, that became um, what we would call monkish or aesthetics, or they would, they're the kinds of guys who gave up eating meat, they wouldn't drink wine, they thought um, intercourse was sinful, they refused to get married, and so on, and so on. And of course, all those things are just unbiblical. Uh, the uh, uh, But he did really good work in other areas, Tatian did. And the other church leader that became historically important was a man named Bardason. He was born in Edessa and was raised in a wealthy family, and he was friends with the prince of Edessa growing up, uh, in Abgar, if you will. He was a good thinker and philosopher, and a, stories say he was a very good archer. Uh, someone could hold up a shield in front of them, and he could outline their body with arrows. At least that's one story. He walked by the church in Edessa one day, and the bishop, Hystaspes, was preaching, and he was convinced that Jesus is Lord, and he was baptized. He was uh, very active in the church, even argued with pagan unbelievers on the streets, which is also something Justin Martyr did. Uh, and he was eventually made a deacon in the church. He came to have some very strange and wrong ideas. This is often when we think of the early church, the thing that comes to our mind most prominently is the martyrdoms. And that's true. There were a lot of martyrdoms. But the other battle that the church was facing was the rise and fall of prominent false teachers. Uh, they came up quick, and they taught some crazy things, and the church has always had to resist them. And Bardason had some strange ideas as well. For example, he began to teach that there were not three persons in the Trinity, but there were 30 persons. That's three zero. 30 persons in the Godhead. He taught, for example, that God the Father married the Holy Spirit, and together they had a son named Jesus. So, for all of his good things he did, he was also kind of weird. The church at large, of course, condemned this kind of teaching. One book um, of Bardason still survives today. It's called The Book of the Laws of Countries. You can, I'm, I'm wondering if you could find a PDF online, actually. But Bardason died in 222 AD, and but what he caught, taught continued on in a group called the Bardasonites, which lasted for another 400 years until the group eventually just died out. Bardason's friend, the prince, as I said, he grew up with the prince, became Abgar VIII, who was known over in the Roman Empire as a holy and just man because he was a Christian. And this Abgar the Eighth outlawed people from cutting themselves, like what we read about with Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel. You're not allowed to ritualistically cut yourselves. He outlawed that in Edessa. Abgar the Eighth died in 212 AD, so 10 years before Bardason. And when he died, the Roman Empire captured and imprisoned his son, and they brought in an end to Abgar's kingdom, and they made it a part of the Roman Empire. Now, let's go back to Rome a minute, the empire of Rome. Three things that the Roman Empire thought Christians were doing, uh, accusing, falsely accusing the church of, if you remember that um, 
Christians were cannibals because they ate flesh and drank blood every time they worshipped together. Uh, Christians were incestuous because they were only permitted to marry their brothers and sisters. And Christians killed babies uh, because we baptized them. So baptism in baptism, you're put to death with Jesus Christ. And uh, some people accuse the church of killing children, uh, just like they accuse them of cannibalism for having the Lord's Supper and incest for marrying within the covenant. But another thing that was upsetting the Roman Empire was that these Christians, uh, Christians who owned slaves, began treating their slaves very well. And Christian slaves began treating their masters very well. And this is upsetting the fabric of the Roman Empire. The church threatened the social order uh, with all of the charity. You know, even at this time in the Roman Empire, the government was handing out rations of wheat. And people ceased working. And, <laughs> I mean, it, government handouts never produce a fruitful nation or empire. And the church threatened the whole social order of what Rome was. And one big thing that the Roman Empire persecuted the Christians for, of course, was that Christians rejected the Roman gods and the divinity of Caesar. They would not uh, give credence to the genius of Caesar. Being a Christian was, of course, illegal because of this, because it was tantamount to treason. And when they were asked, are you a Christian? They, of course, would say yes, which was, in the courtroom, simply a guilty plea. The Roman Empire actually paid people for turning in Christians, they, would ha they actually had informers back then that were paid by the government to go and find Christians and turn them in. It was not until the year 250 AD that the whole Roman Empire turned on the Christ Christians under Emperor Decius. So when we talk about martyrdoms in the early church in the Roman Empire, this happened in some cities, in some towns, but not every governor uh, persecuted Christians because uh, Christians weren't wicked people. I should say, Christians are not wicked people. Christians took care of their slaves and orphans and widows. They were faithful in their marriages. They were generous with their money. They worked hard. And people started to notice. Christians refused to go to the gladiatorial games. Uh, they had morals that were completely different than others in the empire. This is sounding more like 2022 than the year 200 AD. <laughs> Uh, well, just go read Romans 1 and 2. But a, a man named Justin arrived in Rome around 150 AD. Most Christians submitted to harsh treatment and refused to argue against false charges. They didn't know how. I mean, remember, at this time, not many people had Bibles. They, didn't, uh, they weren't apologists as we know them today. But Justin, uh, this man, pushed back. He took to the streets he publicly debated those who hated the church, and he was indeed very good at it. He would eventually be killed for doing this, but talking about Jesus is like scattering seed, and sooner or later something will grow. Someone will come to love the Lord. Justin was born in 100 AD, and today we have three of his writings that have remained through history. He studied philosophy, but he was left wanting, and good for him. He studied, studied Aristotle and Plato and decided that they did not have the truth either. Again, good for him. He kept looking for the truth, and one day he came to this old man, to an old Christian, and he told Justin to go and read the Bible. So he did. Justin even memorized massive amounts of it, even though he was not yet a Christian. In 130 AD, so when Justin was 30 years old, 
He saw some Christians die in the Roman arena. They were not afraid to die, and their lack of fear convinced him that Jesus must be the Lord. He moved to Ephesus and started telling people about Jesus on all the busy market streets. He started a Christian school, and he was so good at arguing the truth of the Bible, pagans were afraid to argue with him anymore. The, you know, all the Stoics and the philosophers and so on, they would not engage with Justin anymore because he was a very good apologist. The Christians in the city of Rome heard about Justin, and they realized they needed his help in the capital city. Now, this was in 130 AD when he was converted, and by the time Emperor Hadrian died in 138 AD, Antoninus Pius took his place, and Antoninus Pius did not act actively persecute Christians. He took all the Christians sentenced to die, and he set them free. But there was a man in the city of Rome named Fronto who continued to accuse Christians of very serious wickednesses, and so those Christians in Rome called for Justin to come and argue on their behalf, you know, to convince people of the truth and to help keep members of the church out of the courts. And it's estimated at this time, the city of Rome itself had over a million people. And the city had over 7,000 firefighters, if you recall the great Roman fire under Emperor Nero. Now they have firefighters, 7,000 of them. But the leaders in Rome were very confused as to why Christians even existed. I mean, who would choose to follow Jesus, a man crucified as a criminal in Jerusalem? Why not follow Venus or Apollo or Mars? Wouldn't that be better to follow them than a man who was killed? You know, why not follow Apollo, the god of the sun, or Zeus, the god of lightning? So people were just really confused about all, all these Christians. And Justin came to Rome, and he became the first well-known apologist of the church. He was not asking for forgiveness, so don't think it when I, somebody says apologist, he's not walking around asking for forgiveness on behalf of the church. <laughs> but apologist meaning defender, giving a, a defense and explaining the faith and the hope which we have. He came to Rome and he confronted Fronto's accusations against the Christians. And in his first writing called The First Apology, not, not that he's saying sorry, but The First Defense, he explains that no matter what evil and false accusations are made against Christians, Christians are the ones who turn away from evil, and Rome should be persecuting real criminals. Rather than violence and strife, Justin made the argument that Christians grow in piety, justice, brotherly love, faith, and hope. Perhaps Justin's argument is what convinced Antoninus Pius to stop Rome from persecuting Christians. Or at least, that's a theory. Justin, um, like he did in Ephesus, started another school, another Bible school in Rome, and he publicly debated on behalf of Christ, and he wrote many letters and papers in defense of Christianity. Antoninus Pius died in 161 AD, and with the death of Pius, can you guess what happened with the next emperor? The new emperor was named Marcus Aurelius, and he began persecuting the church. Justin was arrested in 166 AD for being a Christian. And at this time, there was a deadly plague that came through the Roman Empire, and Marcus Aurelius called on all the people in his, in his empire to pray to the gods and sacrifice to them to take the plague away. And of course, Christians refused to participate in this, and so they were accused and blamed for the plague and deaths. The gods of Rome are upset because the Christians will not worship them. So the Christians were once again being martyred. 
And Romans went after the most well-known Christian in the city of Rome, the capital city. They went after Justin. He was arrested along with six of his disciples, six of his students. And he was asked what he believed by the judge. And Justin said that, this is recorded, Justin said that he believes in the God whom alone is the craftsman of the whole world, and in Jesus Christ his Son, who is also God, who came down to mankind as the herald of salvation. The judge's name at this court, his name is Rusticus. He stopped Justin from speaking any further, and he asked Justice whether or not uh, he asked Justin where the Christians meet. And Justin said, wherever we can, and do you think that we could all meet in just one place? There are too many of us for that. To which Rusticus was greatly afraid to hear. And so Rusticus said, so you are a Christian? And Justin said, yes, I am. Those who were arrested with him all professed to be Christians along with him. Their names are Keraton, Kerato, Hyrax, Pion, and Evilpistus, and Valerian. Rusticus sent them back to prison to reconsider their profession. They came back to court, and Rusticus said, Deny Jesus, and you can go free. If not, you will be beheaded. They refused, of course. And Rusticus said to Justin, Do you suppose that you will really ascend into heaven? Justin replied, I do not merely suppose it. I know it certainly. Justin said he would not turn away from the one triune God to a soul-destroying demon. He would rather die. Unless you sacrifice to the gods, you will be tortured, Rusticus said. Justin replied, Do what you will. We are Christians. We do not sacrifice to idols. They were flogged and told to sacrifice to the Roman gods once again, and they said no. Rusticus then ordered their heads to be cut off with a sword. And Justin is remembered now as Justin Martyr.